Hi everyone, welcome to day three of Art and Markets online conference, Pivot, the Southeast Asian art world beyond COVID-19. My name is Ian T. I'm a visual artist from Singapore and also the associate editor of Art and Market. The question for today is, how would artists approach their practices? Artists are the creative heartbeat of the global art ecosystem, but are usually part of a more unstable informal economy. Today's panel of artists will reflect upon adaptations they have made to their individual practices and share their thoughts on a more sustainable future for practitioners. Before I begin, I would like to thank everyone for spending the next hour with us. If you have questions to ask the panelists, you can type it out anytime in the Q&A box at the bottom right of your screen, and we will get to them during the Q&A segment. I'm pleased to announce uh, and introduce the panelists for today. We have Ruben Pang from Singapore. Hi, Ruben. Um, Ruben, um, are you still muted? Ah, okay. Okay, good, great. Yeah. Uh, so Yunwei from Myanmar. Hey everyone. Hello. And of Hi. course, Sabahan artist Yi Ilan. Hi. All right. Um, I hope you guys have your drink with you. Um, as we begin, I'd like to propose a toast and uh, have for a good conversation ahead. All right. All right. Truth serum, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, I think I'd like to start the conversation by checking in with everyone. So how are you doing? What has changed in your daily practice and perhaps what remains the same? Um, maybe we start with you, so Yunui. Um, are you able to access the facilities and materials you need for your work? Because you work with ceramics and um, it's a little bit of like an unusual material for most, um, which requires specific uh, facilities, I suppose. Um, yeah, actually, um, my plan um, for making artwork in the past three months, two months, and the next few months is actually quite different now. Um, right now, I'm actually in Myanmar, and usually I travel to um, international residencies to make ceramic work because I don't have a ceramic facility at home. So right now, um, I'm actually working on drawings. Um, so it has shifted quite a bit, you know, from three-dimensional work to 2D work. Um, I have made drawings in the past, but um, yeah, usually I just focus on my ceramic practice. So right now it's actually a good time to sort of delve into that. Um, I like drawing quite a bit, so um, it's been it's been fun. Yeah. All right. Um, I think we will get to the point about traveling and of course international residencies at a later point. And, but what about you, Ruben? Because you make, uh, of course, you are well known for your paintings, but you also have uh, consistently made ceramic sculptures. So what's your setup like? Um, well, I mean, the, these three months I've been, uh, my dad has a kiln at home that he bought in 1999. So uh, it's, uh, I've been doing some ceramics and uh, making a lot of music. So we, uh, I have a band and we recorded a bunch of material before lockdown. And so I've been just very happy to keep engaged going through that world um, and of course I, I mean uh, I think the actual challenge is living without being able to make anything right so I, I, I set my mind to the first one month of saying okay let's not do anything for a month you know uh, I, I thought that would have been uh, you know <laughs> uh, to try and accept that in case you know uh, that happens to be the norm in the future I mean we think about that right 
um, so I, I, I had a bit of fun with that or a bit of struggle with that. Um, what about you, Elan? Because I, I was also thinking in particular that your latest body of work is a collaboration with um, a community of weavers. So there's a strong social aspect to the work. Um, of course, that you are also on the ground working with people um, and, and there are a lot of conversations around the work as well. So how has it been for you? I think it's been great, actually. I've, I've, I've kind of loved the last few months, although I know that's not a PC thing to say. Um, yes, I work with community, at the moment, largely with a community in the Sulu Sea, who are a stateless community and a, a very vulnerable community. So I love that because we've been continually making, we haven't slowed down, we haven't stopped, that it provides a form of income for these women um, and their families. So there's a whole domestic economy around my art practice and I love that I love that I don't feel that it's just about me but that it's that art is bigger than that that it, that it's including these um, uh, uh, the economy of what I do affects so many people at a time when they're so vulnerable they continue they they have access to I pay them weekly um, it's brought in challenges. I can't travel there. Uh, that's difficult. Um, language is a problem. So we, one person speaks Malay. Most of them speak uh, their indigenous languages. So we speak a lot using um, the audio function on WhatsApp and also by emojis. So there's been a lot of um, adapting that way. But at the same time, it's full steam ahead and it's great. And I'm really happy that art is able to provide them another form of income at this difficult time for them. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious, so how, how is it, how, how the practicalities of, of that sort of, so you communicate over, over the phone, how do you decide in terms of like really, I suppose quite fundamental things like composition of the work or, or um, the materials and um, was it something that's already pre-decided and you guys are just proceeding with um, planning? Yeah. Um, I've been working with this community for about two years. So we've actually, timing-wise, we actually had a lot of ongoing work. And weaving is a very, very slow process. So, um, and it takes time. So essentially, we've just kept going um, right through this period, as we would have anyway. Um, what it has done is the women have got a slightly different role in their communities now because their husbands are not working. So they become the primary income maker. So husbands and children are helping in the process because they're at home, things like that. So I find that kind of aspect of it really interesting. And um, you know, so you, you mentioned about, of course, the residency that you're not able to um, attend in this period. So are there any plans on how you would proceed assuming after restrictions have been lifted or is it still currently like a wait and see sort of situation? Um, I think it's sort of like a wait and see situation uh, for my upcoming residency. It's been postponed until next year. Um, and since vaccines are only coming out next year, so for the rest of the year, I think I will just focus, focus on like making 2D work and 
possibly doing some uh, using some local material actually um, making assemblages you know collages um, think about how to make films uh, or you know uh, record some educational materials and posting it on website for um, a secondary income you know um, passive income things like that so yeah um, I'm still thinking about ways I could um, generate income but but it's going to change and of course uh, so how how have, what what how have you been connected as opposed to these sort of freelance opportunities that you have mentioned was it are there, are there certain formal channels or is it just informal networks of friends and um, contacts that you have um, for exhibition opportunities um, I think it, or you know teaching opportunities online teaching opportunities things like that it usually comes from um, galleries that I have worked with um, and um, residency that I have attend or people find me through their website um, or online um, through Instagram things like that so it's sort of just everywhere yeah um, Ruben you've mentioned that you have been spending more time um, playing music and taking uh, online lessons these days so how have you been spending your time if you're not you know entering the studio do you feel pressure to I don't know, continue the practice in some other ways in this period or you, you feel that it's, um, it's a good time to pause and um, perhaps uh, yeah. other activities and interests in the meantime? Um, well, I think the emotional experience is that uh, you don't ever want to pause, right? I, I mean, uh, I would say um, that's, that's, my, that's my first instinct that you know, I, I'm very used to applying myself to whatever it is I'm doing uh, to the point that you want to keel over and just, uh, you know, exhaust yourself, right? Uh, I, I do get a kick out of that. So um, yeah, I think the thing was to find something else that was, uh, that, that I can do within the house that I can just completely lose myself in. Um, at the same time, I would say that uh, I, I, I wouldn't have voluntarily you know ever given myself a break for more than more than two weeks I think that's about that's about the sweet spot after even if you go for a holiday for two weeks after that you just can't wait to get back to whatever it is you were doing um, and so I think two it's been one and a half or two months right um, you have your kind of mental steam taken away from you and of course it, it's something uh, exceptionally uncomfortable right and but I mean like any challenge um, you, you are pleased with how adaptable you are uh, if you survive it um, you are also uh, uh, you, you, I find a way to enjoy this the smaller things that I, I tend to overlook uh, and and I think something I've told myself is that well I made a lot of kind of like uh, gratitude promises you know I'll be like coming out of this I go like oh I, I don't want to ever um, uh, I think what am I looking for I, I don't want to take anything for granted you know I mean uh, I don't want to uh, grind anything out right I, I want to savor every moment that's something that, uh, that that I find myself trying to trying to practice and and of course there's a fear going back out there am I going to uh, 
go into a mode where you know I'm doing multiple things at once and uh, uh, and then you're you're not necessarily on autopilot but you don't get to experience the sensations the intricacies of living you know uh, in, in that very saturated energetic way because if I think we all understand this uh, uh, you're doing projects you're answering emails you, you've got my hobby is a serious freaking hobby right so so everything requires uh, you to apply yourself fully and 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 I think I didn't know it, but it was it was uh, I, I was running low uh, physically, emotionally, and, and and that could have been the norm. I, I mean, without this, I I would have probably continued doing that uh, until I have some sort of health or emotional problem, right? That would have just built up over the years. So I, I find myself now, uh, I think physically despite ironically despite not being out and about as much you know the i'm more sensitive to what my body needs i'm more sensitive to my emotions i, I know how to ask for help you know which i've never been able to do um so i i i i don't know uh how it would be going forward i hope i don't return to a kind of status quo and forget the lessons that i've learned right um so that, that that's what i've pretty much been digesting in these two months and I think um, previously when we were speaking, of course, uh, we realized that something, I, I was just mentioning that for the first month, it was really difficult to, to concentrate even, whether it is work or just like reading something that's more than three paragraphs. It's like, it's hard to have that hit space to focus and you just want to, um, you know, you just take on activities that have very little, that require very little of your media attention or um bandwidth in your head and, and things like that and I think um, something else that that we have or at least personally that I realized um, coming into the lockdown was of course that um, since we try to work from home I suppose that it's also about like negotiating space with other people whom we are living with and um, there's there's certain like kind of unexpected challenges I suppose that comes with um, with that and um, I think personally, I think I could relate a little bit to, to, to at least thematically, I suppose, to, to your work, Elan, because I've been also, um, I, I produce a different body of work at home and it's based, uh, textile-based works using a sewing machine. And um, it's, it's a completely different body of work that I would never touch if I'm in the studio because it's an industrial space that's really like messy and dirty. And I think, yes, also gotten me in touch with, I suppose, somewhat like a domestic practice even, um, you know, working with textiles and thinking about um, the sort of labor that happens at home. And of course, using the dinner table, working on the dinner table between meals with my sewing machine. I think it's, a, it's gotten me to reflect quite a bit about the, about the process behind the work, I suppose. And um, yeah, so I think that's something that was a little bit unexpected because you, you thought that the most accommodation or at the, the only thing you need to adapt to was just to move the practice home but then you realize that everyone is at home as well and everyone has to share the same space and um, whether it's like taking turns to use the laptop or um, using the dining table because it's the only large surface you have at home and things like that that you don't really consider I suppose. <laughs> um, so I'm curious if if any of you are working on like a a body of work of participating in initiatives that are directly influenced by the pandemic. So it could be something that perhaps you wouldn't have done otherwise. I think 
so you know you mentioned that it, you you just switch to just focusing on drawings and have you realized anything perhaps about the connection between your two-dimensional work and three-dimensional works and, and the, of course the assemblage that you hope to explore going in? Um, I think in my drawing um, uh, or in my work in general, um, the element of lines, um, you know, comes up a lot, you know, the interconnectedness of things um, uh, visually and also thematically. Uh, comes up a lot and in my drawings, you know, um, I'm using watercolor ink, things like that um, to create all these lines and in my work, in ceramic work, I use coil as a line um, to sort of represent that. So these have kind of been um, thematic, uh, thematically, you know, connected to each other. Um, but because of COVID, actually, um, being at home a lot, you know, being in the same space 24-7, you know, not leaving the house, I'm actually thinking about a new body of work that's more um, sort of like reflecting on the idea of solitude, um, you know, confined spaces, which is actually a theme that I explore a lot um, during graduate school. So right now, um, thinking about assemblages and using found materials and things like that, I was actually thinking about uh, Joseph Cornell's work. Um, one of my favorite artists who uses assemblage to make these boxes, um, you know, that sort of like contain all of these dreamlike imagery, um, surrealist kind of aesthetic. Um, so that's actually a theme that I was um, thinking about exploring in, you know, in the future, either in the drawing or in, um, uh, assemblages, collages, making box-like spaces that sort of contained all of these transient imagery, you know, things from the news, um, all these riot imageries, um, um, you know, health crisis, things like that. And also, you know, uh, the idea of trauma, grief, loss that's coming out because of this pandemic um, everywhere. So yeah, um, a lot of uh, recurring, but like, you know, um, ideas that I have thought about, but haven't worked with in a while. Um, Elan, you're speaking to us from a kind of shared space uh, in Kotake. Can you talk a little bit more about the space? And I also saw that um, recently on your Instagram, you have been doing like uh, live drawing kind of sessions. Can you tell us a little bit more? <laughs> um, can I rewind a little bit and then I'll come to that? Sure. I, I just want to pick up something that Ruben said. Um, about rest. And I think one of the most radical things that's happening right now is rest, time out, uh, uh, recalibration, general health. Um, and it's something that I've really appreciated and I think it's really radical. There's a Instagram page that I've been following that is very, very linked with the uh, Black Lives Matter issues and it's called the NAP Ministry. And it's about how taking time out and napping, sleeping, resting, um, is it, a really, uh, it's an act that, that can be construed to be quite radical and quite anti-capitalist, quite uh, many, many things. It's complex. And it, to me, it, it's, it's something that I've really appreciated about this time is the sense of rest and taking rest. Um, this is the first sort of online th content thing that I'm doing, 
because I made a conscious decision not to partake as much as I could. I'm, I'm kind of feeling that I'm up for it now, um, but it was, a, it was a conscious act not to participate, to, to take time out. And I'm staying with my family, and I moved back to Sabah from KL like two years, two and a half years ago. Um, so all of this has been, in my view, just wonderful. So I'm now collaborating with my mother. And to me, that's also a radical act. I, I love that I have the time to hang out with my mom, you know, and, and I really, really appreciate that. And I've also been doing a lot of really silly drawing, like drawing still life, because I haven't had the time to do a pointless drawing for the sake of practicing how to see and look and draw. Because if, it, you know, you're constantly in a marathon to hit deadlines, you, you tend not to just do something for the sake of doing it, for the pure pleasure of drawing whatever, right? And it's, it's, not, it's not meant to be end up somewhere. Um, but yeah, that's been something I've really appreciated. But not, and now I've forgotten your question. Uh, <laughs> okay, so where are you right now? In oh, the studio in, you're in? I'm in Kinabalu, uh, Sabah, which is the Malaysian, the northern Malaysian state of Sabah in Borneo Island. Um, and uh, end of 2017, we opened up this share space. So there's uh, three entities, uh, Architrack, who do uh, environmental sustainable architecture. So that's my partner, Filza. Uh, she does things like the Sunbed Conservation Center. Uh, Phyllis, Kim, Kim works with Phyllis. Phyllis is currently on site. She's also an architect. And then there's myself. And then there's Lola, who's an intern from London. And she got stuck here for an extended internship but she's having a good time so there's two, two architectural companies and myself and we have uh we, we're trying to create a space that's cross-disciplinary uh where art architecture we work a, we work a lot with um scientists i'm part of a ngo group called forever sabah where they're uh, they work a lot with community, with scientists, stuff like that. So there's, there's, there's a whole pool of people around that may or may not necessarily be art orientated, but it's cross-disciplinary and we try and organize really simple get-togethers. So we have Friday after work drinks every Friday evening. So for a while they were on Zoom um, where we talk about whatever. So if you've got an issue you want to talk about, you. You, we, we come together and talk, um, very cross-disciplinary. Um, and so, yeah, this, is, this has been an oasis of a space for me. Um, and, I've, and I've loved de-emphasizing art, if that makes any sense. I know that's weird as an artist, but you know, it's, it's uh, I think it's vital along with the rest. You know, picking up about your, your point, especially about uh, the things that are going on online, because there's been like a proliferation of online exhibitions, uh, activations, videos, all sorts of things going on. I'm wondering if um, switching mode, I suppose, from some, a maker to uh, someone who also consumes the, these sort of content and um, uh, materials online, have you engaged with any of these online initiatives and are there any 
perhaps pleasant experiences you'd like to share or aspects that you find a little bit lacking or unsatisfactory? We, one of our Friday after work drinks, we did a, a Zoom drinks with some of the folks from the Zongsan building in KL. Um, and that was really nice because friends here met my friends, some of my friends there. It's small, it's, it's kind of weird, but it's, I like that. Um, so I kind of like the Zoom social life. Uh, the social life of artists. Um, I haven't really, I, a lot of people have been watching Netflix and watching kind of movies and going to a whole lot of viewing rooms, Art Basel, and I haven't really done much of that. Um, I've been reading a lot of books. I've been in the garden with my mom. Um, so yeah, I haven't participated very much online other than my own Instagram thing. Um, I deactivated Facebook. I deactivated Twitter. I'm only on Instagram. So yeah, I retreated from all of that. And, and I'm very focused in my immediate um, surroundings. Yeah. What about you, Ruben? Well, I, I, I was just, um, we're, we're focusing on the engaging of the online is that is that the, the focus right now? Yeah, I mean, I suppose um, not necessarily from the perspective of putting stuff out there, but as someone who perhaps um, you know views social media or you visit like a museum's um, online adaptation of their, their exhibitions or any video programs or things that things of that sort. Um, well, personally, I don't think it's really the, the scale of which or the percentage of the time that I spend online has really changed. Um, I, I think um, at, at least even before this situation, uh, it, it, it was, things seemed to be already headed in that direction. You know, I mean, uh, when I was a teenager, we, we got our hands on uh, the start of the decline of the music industry, right? And uh, I bought my last CD in 2004. I was 14, and um, and and I mean that medium, uh, the the experience of music at least used to be vinyl, it used to be cassette, used to be CD, and and you used to play it on pretty high fidelity uh, devices. If you know, a lot of houses used to have stereos at home. And, and now we live in a world where you could run $500,000 worth of recording equipment and it's gonna come out of your iPhone. Like that's the end user experience. So at the same time, the accessibility is incredible. Uh, it's absolutely incredible, right? I'm, I'm introduced to things that I would have absolutely loved and I still love uh, since, since Spotify came out. There's an algorithm that kind of uh, based on your tastes and what you listen to would recommend new things to you. And, and it's your choice if you want to take that listening experience further, but the internet has in some ways brought a lot of joy into my life, right? Uh, I, I'm taking lessons from a guitar hero that I've loved for, for seven years, right? It's through the internet and his Instagram or YouTube that I found out 
hey, this guy is accessible. And the fidelity is not a in-person, touch the flesh, experience that intimacy. But uh, the reward is that, you know, that, that's something that probably would not have happened to me in the 90s. Like speaking with someone you absolutely admire, right? And having him teach you guitar. Um, and, and so I think um, the, the online exhibitions and, and, and things like that, um, as a, as a stopgap response to uh, kind of the immediate problem, which is the cancellation of fares. Sure, no problem. If, if we're saying that it, we're upset that we can't be there, but we have no, no other solution for it, you know, that, it's like, that looks like the, the next best thing. At the same time, I, I, I think that I don't have a particular complaint. I mean, as a painter, I would love, I would absolutely love for you to come in the studio, smell it, touch it, experience its physicality. But uh, the last two paintings that I bought from other artists, I bought off Instagram, you know? Uh, it's like you as the, the, the audience, the, the person perceiving it, you, you are, the, the human body is quite adaptable, right? Uh, our eyes and our sensitivities as, as people who consume art, we kind of fill in the gaps that the digital medium cannot provide us. So I kind of look at someone else's painting and I, I can infer, is this textured? Is this varnished? Uh, you know, it still speaks to me, even though it's going through a very low res, right? And the resolution is still improving. Um, so I, I think if anything, it makes you more hungry to experience uh, the intimacy of art being, you know, with the imperfection of the medium, it makes you patient. It makes you very, very patient. And it makes you uh, very grateful for the chance to be in a live concert. You don't, you don't take that as a given anymore. Uh, so I, I look, I, I really very much look forward to being in a, in a museum again, you know, uh, I, I look forward to hanging out at my friend's studio, you know, think, things like that. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily changing only because of COVID. Uh, and I think the measures, the effort to react so quickly is, is, is laudable for sure. Sorry, I've taken up a bit of... Um, do you have anything you'd like to add, perhaps, uh, so you know? Um, I think uh, for me, since I make sculpture, I don't, I think, um, you know, like taking in a sculpture physically being there is really important. Um, but for online uh, generation, I guess like this online movement right now, um, I actually think that it like, like uh, Ruben said, um, the educational as aspect of it is actually really interesting and um, it's going really well. Um, uh, personally, I've been watching a lot of YouTube, you know, learning new things from the YouTube channel and even thinking uh, for myself, um, making some content for it. Um, like recently, I've been, um, I made a video for, uh, for uh, um, uh, the uh, institution, I guess, like it's a, it's a gallery um, of University of Washington. Um, I was supposed to be there to teach a workshop, but because of COVID, they canceled it. And um, turns out that I have to make a film for it. So I actually recorded a dem demo video um, for it. And I actually really enjoyed doing that. So I think in the future, I would, you know, think about making that kind of content 
you know, um, contributing to the educational um, online community that way. Um, I'm also uh, taking up online teaching actually um, during COVID because I wasn't, I am not able to be in Seattle. Um, the teaching gig that I got turned into an online teaching and um, I think it works. It's definitely different from face-to-face uh, -face teaching, but I think like like you said, we're all really adaptable and we're gonna make it work if we really want something out of this, yeah. Um, what sort of classes are you teaching? Is it a studio-based class or um, are you giving consultations or is it like a theory-based? Um... Um, yeah, it's um, it's studio-based class. Um, for my private teaching, it's um, clay, ceramic. Um, I bought some clay uh, from China. Um, I recently bought uh, used wheels from China too. Um, I was thinking about making small productions like mugs and things like that, but I don't have a kiln yet, so um, that's a project is going to have to wait a little. Um, but for the online um, video for the Henry Art Gallery in Seattle, um, it's actually for children, so it's actually a Play-Doh demonstration. So like making Play-Doh, you know, with things that you can find at home, flour, salt, water, oil, um, make clay at home and then make, you know, um, I guess like little figures out of it. Um, so yeah, um, it's been fun. <laughs> I, I'm glad you brought up education because, uh, of course, um, production is just one aspect of artistic practice. And of course, artists are also engaged with research and collaborations. And so um, I'm, I'm just wondering, how do you think perhaps things like research and, and uh, especially, especially kind of uh, research that's tied to um, residencies and, and, and programs like these um, that require travel, do you, how do you perhaps foresee, not necessarily foresee how it changes, but how would you like to imagine that uh, situations where these sort of programs could still carry on so that artists can have time to, uh, time off from a day job to dedicate um, a specific period of time to researching a particular body of work or specific projects that they have. With, um, could be like interdisciplinary projects or even um, specific kind of, projects with civil society groups, I suppose. Um, are there any sort of scenarios that you can imagine that in the event that travel is still restricted, um, how do you think, it, it, um, what are the ways do you think uh, these sort of programs could still carry on and research could still happen, communications could still happen, and you could still get contact and information that you need? Um, I think one way that I thought um, could happen is like perhaps it, instead of physically being there, um, I could possibly through a residency engage or collaborate with the community that's already there. Um, perhaps an artist, perhaps like um, a consultant, um, uh, or perhaps just somebody, a community in that country. Um, I was sort of doing this thought experiment where, oh, if I have to do a residency or if I wanna go to this country and I couldn't do it, um, how would I make it work in order to produce a new body of work? Um, I mean, going to another country in person, taking in, you know, the ambience, you know, the material, the scent, the smell, um, everything for yourself is great. But I think if that couldn't happen, then perhaps um, I would try to uh, work with somebody um, um, 
sort of like if you're playing a video game, it's like sort of like your avatar, you know, find somebody, um, perhaps get a body camera, I don't know, have them wear it, um, you know, sort of collaborate with them into engaging with specific people, specific places, and then get your material that way. Um, that would probably change the way I work. Um, you know, perhaps I would work with imagery that was printed from that experience um, or recording or film, um, creating video work instead of something sculptural um, or, you know, translating those images into the sculpture um, through decal um, if I'm working ceramics. Um, so yeah, that, that was sort of like a little thought experiment that I, you know, had when thinking about your question, that specific question. Um, I was thinking about a, a project that I thought of at when I was a student at RISD. Um, at that time, the te my teacher was Simone Lee, and she does a lot of um, community engagement work. And she was uh, she was sort of like challenging us if we have to work with a community, what how would we go about and do it? And at that time, my answer was. Um, I would like to work with the idea of, you know, subjectivity, um, sort of like taking in experience of somebody um, through their narration um, and sort of like translating that experience into, you know, sculptural work. So taking in an experience through somebody else is like, I probably would do something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Elan, you have, you have, of course you have like hands-on experience with working with uh, different communities and, uh, whether they're artists or even um, scientists and different groups of people. What have you found uh, things that perhaps work better in these sort of collaborations and um, tools that you have used to make uh, communication as easy as possible? Um, hmm. The last, uh, I've been working with the Bajau Samadalau in Pulau Omadal and the Moro Doson people in the Kenningau Nabawan soap area. Hi, Boliba Kalakao. Um, but um, there were a couple of them are watching. Um, but um, I think combining that with the question of residencies, sometimes I think we put too much emphasis on being artists and making art. So I'm really into the idea of being an artist, but going into a situation where you're learning from life. So it may be a scientist or it may be um, agriculturalist and the way that they may interpret the world and the way that they see something will inform you without you necessarily having an objective in mind and allowing that to kind of being open to that, having its trace on you, on, on, on letting, it, letting it affect you, letting, being open to all of that, because I think that's how we grow as artists. Um, for me, it's been really important to put being an artist, my art practice back, um, put other stuff front. Um, that, that's been quite a humbling and also quite a, um, not, not, not such an easy process because I'm a control freak, right? And I want to control a situation. I want to control aesthetics and all the rest. But then I'm not learning. And I think that when you, I like the idea of residencies that you choose for a reason 
because you want to have a conversation with somebody uh, for and they've had an experience or something that you want you want to know more about really um, so that's the kind of situation that I try and put myself in now which is unsettling and not easy um, but deeply enriching and I don't actually know where it's going there, which is another weird thing because we, we're so used to knowing exactly what we're going to do, right? We have a to-do list. I just threw all that out the window and it's like, just, just be, right? And um, we'll see, really. I'm not sure if that answers your question, though. <laughs> um, perhaps the final question for everyone um, are there any practices that you have adopted as a result of the pandemic that you hope to continue even after the lockdown situations have been lifted wherever you are? Could be, I don't know, a personal practice, artistic practice, a, a new mindset or a new way of um, prioritizing certain things perhaps that you continue um, even after the pandemic measures um, have been lifted wherever you are. Maybe Ian, before we move on to that, again, I think uh, Ilan mentioned something that I'd like to uh, uh, touch on a little bit, which which is related to where we're going. Is uh, first we talked about how rest is radical, and uh, you know I totally agree. It, it there, there's no argument to that. Um, I I envy my cat. You know, I absolutely, uh, no self-consciousness, no guilt. Uh, and, and I think there's a sort of uh, great uh, significance to that, to that reminder. And, uh, and, and when you talked about, uh, I, I, I would say also, well, the, it, it, there is a huge guilt, I think, to resting. In, in a fanatically meritocratic society that we that the world collectively has agreed that it, it's the it's the least of all the evils right and, and that that is that is what uh we all i think collectively in varying degrees we all accept um that that transaction that you're saying i'm going to spend the thing that I look forward to the most, i.e., you know, for maybe not so much for artists, right? But um, my parents, for example, uh, my mom just retired, right? And so you're saying that you give the best years of your life to the institution, to the machine, and when your when your body is failing, that's when you get to experience it, you know, and and, and we punish the, uh, the people who, who want to keep the best years for themselves, right? We say that they're lazy. We say that they are not putting in effort, that they, they have no focus. And that's something that, whether it's done consciously or it's become a byproduct of the way we structure society, we, we expect um, people to make this transaction and it could be a subconscious envy uh, or uh, 
a displacement of what we don't like about how we're treating ourselves, that we cannot come to terms with um, the kind of nurturing, you know, uh, that that is very, very beneficial. And something that I've learned that I'd like to really expand now transitioning into your question, what have you, what have you learned in this period that you'll take on? Uh, I, I did a lot of music production and, and a lot of mixing. And, and when you do that, you have to bear in mind that you are carving out space from the best takes of all of your friends. You know, you're not giving you something that's lighthearted. They're giving you the best take. They're being vulnerable. You get to know them intimately and you have to carve out space for each other. And, and yet you have to serve a motif and you're removing information for, and they, they trust you to do that. Um, at the same time, as an artist, when you're working on your own, on your own painting, you are carving out space, not because you're a one dimensional person. When, when we read about success stories or we read about the heroes in art history, there is an overarching distilled narrative that, that makes, say, someone that I love, Francis Bacon, into a one-dimensional character that fits into the body of text, but that is, that is not even a fraction of who he was as a human being. And when, when this is the syllabus, this is the limit of education, right? This is the limit of written history, that uh, it's a flattening of personality, it's a flattening of a soul, into perhaps what is good for marketing the value of his work, into what is perhaps good for promoting uh, a, a, a characteristic of, of an artist. And, and the fact is, I, I, I bet there are so many things about him that are, are not cool to be listed as, as part of the posture of being an artist, right? Um, and so I, I learned that in mixing your will with, and your stamina, so sure, you have nine hours of stamina, you can, it does not translate to a better mix, you know, not all the time. That, that requires a different kind of finesse. And, and it's something that I've learned in painting. Uh, sure, hard work is, is absolutely a rudiment and it's a fundamental, uh, but the hard work of finding out that your, that hard work does not necessarily e equal better paintings. Um, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm just really, I'm so, so glad that that realization came about because, uh, you know, um, so my, my take going into this lockdown was this, I didn't want compromise. You know, this was my first instinct. I didn't want to make home-based looking paintings, whatever the, you know, I had a presumption of what that was supposed to be. Um, and, and, you know, I've never had a studio until halfway through my art practice. And, and I found that having the studio did not necessarily make better paintings. Not having a studio doesn't necessarily make worse paintings. Um, it, can you be fully there and trust yourself in that, in, in that moment? But the thing is this, going through the whole process of having and not having a studio, going through the process of having good equipment and not so good equipment allows you to find out with experience if you're fortunate enough to experience life with excess and with shortages. That experience is invaluable. So we move forward into whatever is next with that, not just the theoretical knowledge, right? Uh, and so, sorry, I'm going on for a bit. Uh, I'm not even drunk yet. So, but thank you for, for bringing that up, Elan. I, I, I think that's, it's really heartening to know that uh, 
that experience is quite universal or it's subtle and it hints and it whispers to us that it's, it's very and, heartening. And Ruben, I want to say that I feel the guilt too, yeah? The guilt, the guilt is real. The, right. the guilt about resting is real. But resting also makes you think better. It makes you more efficient and you, you can finish carry a thought through, finish a sentence. You know, I always feel that I haven't finished my sentence. Completely sure. um, frustrating is not, I haven't got the time just to get that bit. So rest allows that little bit of extra time, thinking, brewing, percolating. Um, but yeah, I think that the guilt is what stops us a lot of the time from taking, and it is taking. When you, when you rest, you don't do something else, right? And you always feel that you should be doing something. And, and maybe the artists don't, don't give themselves enough credit. I, I think a, a really good friend of mine, my bassist says, you know, music is inherently giving. Art is inherently giving, you know. So we are, we are. And sometimes we forget that, right? Because we're, we're, we're micro, we're going into the varnish, the details. This is not perfect. How, how dare I do this? I was sloppy here, you know? So it's really nice to have someone else remind you of the, the roots of what you do. Any final um, remarks, so you know? <laughs> um, I think, um, I think, I, I guess like the best thing that has happened during this pandemic is, you know, like everyone is saying, I have the time just to be at home, recalibrate myself, I'll work on my health. I'm actually, I've been moving around so much and living in so many places. Um, I haven't lived like, you know, I haven't been this at home for a while. And um, so because of this pandemic, I couldn't travel, I couldn't work, I couldn't, you know, do what I do, stay all night, you know, drink too many coffee, work all night, things like that. So I have actually been, you know, working on my health, eating healthy, you know, workout, um, deal with my, you know, I'm starting to realize that, you know, I've been having some autoimmune disease because of all these, you know, like, all-nighters and, you know, uh, staying up too late, working on art so much. Um, so I, I've been feeling really grateful for the time that I have right now, you know, staying at home. So it actually makes me realize um, how vulnerable and fragile our body is and um, be grateful that we're healthy and breathing and still here. Uh, um, uh, Ian and uh, so you, you just reminded me of something that was at the back of my head. When you started this uh, conversation and now prep, I, I thought about one of the things is that who gives a damn what I have to say? You know, I don't speak for a ton of people, right? A, a lot of things that we're talking about, I think if you're in a certain point in your career, you know, you have something to lose, you have a degree of a threshold of buffer, right? You have a degree of money and, and I get to rest. You know what I mean? I, I get to, I get to, that option is available to me. And I, I think, you know, that, that a degree of unrelatability, uh, because I think about 16 year old me who couldn't hang out with my friends and couldn't afford the cab ride back, right? Where, where, I have to wait till 6 a.m. to go home. 
you know, so I can take the public transport. Now I can afford a freaking cab and now I can order freaking aluminum panels and order stuff online without necessarily worrying about my bank account. Uh, and and I, I just want to say that um, I, I, there's nothing redeeming about what I'm going to say apart from, apart from the fact that I, I want to admit it is that I fear that to a certain degree, um, I, I might have, you know, as time gone, goes by, have forgotten a little bit about what does it mean to be a struggling artist? You know, because uh, the, the situation now and, and uh, struggle now is quite unrelatable to someone who is trying to make ends meet, who is scrambling in whatever essential service job, right? And that's still not enough to pay the rent and, and things like that. You know, that's, that's a very detached world. I can think about it theoretically, I, I, you know, but um, so, so at the same time that, that, that when I do work like crazy, I, I think about the person who does not take that chance for granted. You know, like, like the artist that maybe got a gig in May, who's never had a gig before and that exhibition got canceled, right? That's a really messed up position to be in. Like the gallerist who said, now I'm gonna give this emerging artist a chance because it's the right time and then bam, this, this, this goes on. And maybe the gallerist decides, we need to focus on what's sellable. And then these people lose the chance. You know, I, I, I don't have any solutions. I, I don't know these people, right? Uh, I don't know what I can do for them, but I think, you know, just for me to, 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 to hold that thought for these people who fall through the cracks, not necessarily in the red or just falling through the cracks. It's just something quite important to have, you know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We, we can only speak from our own experience and- Sure, and, and I, just, I just want to be really sensitive about that, you know, because I would have been that person upset seeing, you know, like I was that person in 2013 when there's art stage going, so these people speak a different language that has nothing to do with us. You know what I mean? And uh, that's one of the self-conscious things that I'm going through. Uh, oh, can I add on? Yeah. Sure, sure. That, that's a really, really good question. Who gives a damn, right? And I think that as an artist, it's a question that, like, who gives a damn, man? Like the, the self-doubt, it, it, it drives a lot of my decision-making on, you have multiple ideas. Which idea is more vital to follow through? How do you exercise it? Who do you exercise it with? Um, why are you doing that project? Why are you not doing that project? So who gives a damn is a really, really important question of, of uh, what is vital? What is urgent? What can you participate in? What conversation can you be a link in? And how, how can you be used? And how can you... Uh, um, give as well as take for yourself for self-enrichment as well so that I think who, who gives a damn kind of questions are, are vital and now more than ever um, so a lot of my practice now is driven by that question who gives a damn and make sure you some it, it's really important make sure it's worth it's worth it right um, um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good question. Who gives a damn? And make sure that 
there's a good answer. Right. Think it through. Finish the sentence. Yeah. I think I think that's a the perfect note to end on, and I'd like to thank everyone for spending the past hour with us. Thank you, Ruben. Thank you, Sir. Thank you, Thanks for the conversations, everyone. Thank you, uh, cheers. Cheers. Right. My parents look, aren't they cute? Ah. Bye. Thank you.